Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week we began a new series on marriage called Till Death Do Us Part. And we looked at the commitment that Abraham had to honor his wife, uh, Sarah, even in her death. And I told you that when you have stuck it out through good times and bad times, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, then you will want to love them and cherish them even in their death. This Thursday, Mandy and I are going to be leaving for Gainesville, Georgia, heading to the One Marriage Conference with about 38 couples from our church that will be attending this year. This is always a special time for us. I'll, I'll just be very transparent with you, and I'll let you know that, that this conference is the annual tune-up for, for Mandy and myself. We need this. We, we look forward to it every year, and it's an investment that we make because this is important. I said this is important. Me and her. And besides my relationship with Christ, this is the most important relationship in my life. And um, it, it's more important than my co-workers. No offense to my co-workers. Um, for those of you that are friends in the room, this relationship is more important than friends. It, it's more important than extended family members. And it's more important than my children. You see, some of you are having some problems in your home because you've got the divine order of the home all messed up. It's God, spouse, then children. And once you get the children on the right uh, section of the totem pole there, uh, I promise you, you'll see blessings flowing through your, through your home. Boy, there's like one amen in the room right now. I'm really, I haven't even got to the meat of it yet. Couples, listen to me. You invest in so many things that are not necessarily bad. Um, you know, baseball and, and, and volleyball and basketball, football, all the balls, you know, <laughs> travel ball. These, these things aren't necessarily bad. Annual Disney passes. I get it. Dream vacations. These are investments. But make sure that you invest in your marriage. Couples, listen to me. Make sure that you invest in your marriage. The enemy is fighting your home because he hates your home. He knows how powerful a godly home can be, and, and Satan wants to destroy your home. The reason why you two are at each other's throats, the reason why you argued on the way to church today is because Satan knows how powerful a godly home is, and he wants to destroy it. And so I, I just want to tell you, invest in your marriage or you're going to have to invest in a divorce attorney, and it's your choice. It's a lot cheaper to invest in your marriage. Trust me, okay? Well, you guys are quiet today. <laughs> hey, this year, this year, August 12th, Mandy and I will celebrate 25 years of marriage. 25 years of marriage. Yeah. I want to go ahead and tell you, we are going to Hawaii for 10 days during that stretch, too. We are going to be in Hawaii. We're looking forward to it. One of our, our dream vacations. Uh, we're not taking our kids with us because we're investing in us. And so they're, they will not. Caleb will be a married man by then. And so he's on his own. And that's Mariah's problem to deal with. <laughs> 25 years. One of us deserves an award. I'll let you figure out which one. <laughs> I think you already have. Um, 
After nearly 25 years of marriage, though, I finally figured out where it often goes wrong for some couples. So after 25 years, I think I have finally figured out where it goes wrong. You see, I want you to imagine with me that we're, we're, we're in our new church, okay? And uh, today, the Panther Palace becomes that church setting, okay? Imagine with me, we're all sitting in a church, and, and the bride is standing at the back of the room, and she's waiting to walk down the aisle towards her groom, and her mind is racing because she's trying to remember what comes next. She wants to remember the order of, of the way things will progress because she does not want to mess up. And so in her mind, she reminds herself of the order of the service. And she says, okay, I'll, I'll walk down the aisle, I'll stop at the altar, and then I'll pledge my life to him. And as she begins to walk, she says it again in her mind. She says, I'll walk down the aisle, I'll stop at the altar, and I'll pledge my life to him. She keeps reciting this in her mind as she gets closer and closer. I'll walk down the aisle, I'll stop at the altar, and I'll pledge my life to him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. The groom is standing next to the pastor waiting on the, on the bride to... To make her way down to the altar and he's going through the same process in his mind she will walk down the aisle she'll stop at the altar and i'll marry her she'll walk down the aisle she'll stop at the altar and i'll marry her i'll alter her some people go into marriage seeking to make their spouse what they want them to be and if if you have that mindset, I don't care if you're in your first year of marriage, if you're in your you know, 75th year of marriage, if you're in the first week of your marriage, this mindset is going to destroy your marriage. Trying to make them who you want them to be. One of the things that we share with engaged couples during premarital counseling are the seven recommendations of marriage by Dr. James Dobson. And I don't have time today to get into all seven of them, but one of those recommendations that he makes says, do not marry someone who has characteristics that you feel are intolerable. They most likely will not change. I want to read that again. That's good advice, isn't it? Do not marry someone who has characteristics that you feel are intolerable. They most likely will not change. Some of you are like, where were you at 10 years ago when I needed that, right? <laughs> if, I'd only, if I would have only known, I just... It has been said, in most cases, an unhappy single person will be an unhappy married person. A bitter, angry single person will be a bitter, angry married person. A greedy single person will be a greedy married person. An impatient single person will be an impatient married person. I think you get it. So to all of the unmarried in the room, let me talk to you, because I know a series like this, you feel so disconnected, and you feel like, man, the pastor is really catering to everyone else, but not for me. Um, let me speak to you for the unmarried in the room uh, Whoever they are now is who they will be after you are married Okay, so if you're dating or even if you're not dating if you're looking, you know If you're on the market and you're you're searching for 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 that, you know, mr. Right or mrs. Right Let me just tell you whoever they are when you meet them That's who they're going to be after you marry them saying I do doesn't necessarily change someone or their personality At least not usually for the better but after you are married, your job is not to change them. I am not saying that they will not change. I want you to understand this is not your job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. 
And your job is not to change them. Your job is to serve them. And I'm going to show this to you today in Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read verses 21 through 33. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. These are some very familiar verses. Often we start this at, at verse 22 and we leave verse 21 out of it. Uh, even in most of your Bibles, there's probably a header that separates it. it maybe it says something like husbands and wives uh, right before verse 22. That is a man-made header that just tells you what that section is about. But understand that as Paul was writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, this was one continuous letter. There were no separation breaks of chapters or verses and certainly not headers. And so we're going to start at verse 21. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21 and it reads, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I just want to go ahead and get this out there, okay? This is a mutual submission is what he's talking about. This isn't just a woman submitting to a man. There is a mutual submission that takes place in marriage. Some of the men in the room just checked out. Stay with me, okay? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body in is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And all the, all the men in the room said, amen. 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 Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Women, that is your cue. You're weak. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Amen. 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 That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the, the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see... Out of all the institutions that God could have, could have picked, he chose marriage to be the one to explain his relationship with us, Christ's relationship with the church. And, 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 and just to be clear, Paul says, I want you to understand that I'm talking about Christ's relationship with the church. church. However, I do not want you to miss that, that he is also speaking about, and he says this, he says, however, I'm also talking about marriage. I want to make sure that you understand that I'm talking about Christ and the church, but this also applies to marriage. Now understand that we've all got desires for our marriages. We do. And it's not sinful to have a desire. It's not sinful for us to have a desire about marriage and, 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 and have these hopes and these dreams of what it will become. We have these thoughts and ideas of what we think it should look like. And, and we hold on tight to those and we, and we want those to, to, to manifest. We want those to come about. There was a couple that had been married nearly 50 years. And as most men do, he thought that their marriage was just fine. But she realized that something was lacking in their marriage. And one day she developed the courage to bring it up to him. 
And uh, they're, they're sitting in the living room. She looked over at him, at him and she said, you know, honey, things have really changed between us. She said, you used to sit close to me. And he replied, he said, well, well, dear, I can remedy that. And he got up out of his easy chair and he moved over and sat next to her on the couch. She then said, and you used to hold me so tight. He then put his arm around her. He pulled her in tight and he says, how's that? She said, do you remember that you used to nuzzle my neck and nibble on my earlobe? He jumped to his feet, leaving the room. She says, where are you going? He said, I'll be right back. I've got to go get my teeth. Verse 21, I want you to look back at verse 21. Listen to what it says. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Don't miss this. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. To submit. To put someone else's desires, dreams, and wishes above my own. That's what it means for me to submit. If I am to submit to my wife, I am to put her desires, her dreams, and her wishes above my own. If she is to submit to me, she is to put my desires and my dreams and my wishes above her own. Not out of reverence for me. Not out of reverence for her. But in order for your marriage to be successful, I'm telling you, there must be another man. All the women are like, can it be Aquaman? <laughs> Is that all right? No, it cannot be Aquaman. <laughs> In order for your marriage to be successful, there must be another man. You must invite another man into this equation, and his name is Jesus Christ. In order for your marriage to go the distance, you must invite Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Before you dismiss this concept, I want you to ask yourself, wouldn't I like to be the recipient of that kind of love? You might not be willing right now to submit to your spouse and offer that kind of love to them, but, but wouldn't it be nice if you could be the recipient of that kind of love where someone else is laying their expectations aside? Uh, they're putting their desires and their dreams and their wishes aside so that they can can raise yours up and, and and that they can put your desires your dreams and your wishes on a pedestal and they'll they'll be willing you want that for your life you want that for your marriage whether you admit it or not that's what you want and one of the misconceptions about marriage is is that it is for your personal pleasure and enjoyment I don't know where this went wrong. I don't know why we have developed this mindset that it is for our personal pleasure and for our personal enjoyment. I'm not saying that you should never achieve pleasure and enjoyment in your marriage. What I am saying is that in order to achieve happiness in your marriage, both spouses must realize the importance of putting their husband or their wife before themselves. That's the way that you achieve that marital bliss that we're looking for. It's when both people, both parties are willing to put the other one first. There was another man and woman that were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. And all of their friends and family gathered around to celebrate their love and commitment to one another. It was a wonderful evening and they felt the love of all of those that were around them. And finally, around 10 o'clock that night, they retired to their home. And 
The man and woman were finally alone. It had been a busy day of celebrations, and and as was his custom, the, the husband went to the kitchen, and he got two little plates out, and, and he toasted two little pieces of bread, and he put them on the, on the plates. He poured each of them a little glass of milk, and his wife was in the other room, and like he did every night, he called her into the kitchen, honey, our bedtime snack is ready. Come on in. She comes into the kitchen, and she took one look at the late night snack and she just burst into tears and the husband was puzzled he didn't understand he did this every night of their marriage why was she so upset and he embraced her and he said what's wrong honey and she tearfully explained to him that that she had thought since it was such a special day 50 years of marriage that finally on this special day of their lives that he would have been more thoughtful and not given her the end piece of bread the man was silent for a moment and he said quietly, he said, why, honey, that's my favorite piece. And all these years I've been giving it to you. Isn't that the irony that after 50 years he had been giving her what he considered to be the best and she had been accepting it with the feeling that it was the worst. Through the years, Mandy and I've had to learn how to speak each other's love language. We've also figured out that we don't speak the same love language. If you don't have the book, The Five Love Languages, it's a classic. Maybe you should read it sometime. But I know that Mandy, I know that her love language is words of affirmation. Mandy now knows that mine is receiving gifts. She didn't for years, but now she knows it. And even tried to talk me out of it. Like, that's not your, no, that's not. <laughs> you don't get to tell me, woman. <laughs> In order for us to show our love to one another, we've got to learn to speak the right language. These are the problem with some of our marriages. The problem with some of you is that you're saying it but you're speaking it the wrong way, and that's the reason why it's not reciprocated. Both of you are saying what needs to be said. You're just saying it in the wrong way. He's speaking English. She's speaking German. And, and never will the two understand each other because you don't understand the love language, and you don't understand how to say that. Well, I tell her I love her every morning. Good luck. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8 says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let's stop right there. You see, when you put in the time and the effort to figure out what their love language is, when you figure out what really speaks to their soul and how to say, I love you to your spouse without having to say, I love you, which, by the way, you should say, I love you. I'm not giving you a way out of you know, being nonverbal men, you have to say it. But Paul tells us, he says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. But listen, he takes this a step farther. Listen to what he says. He says, your attitude, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Here we go. Buckle up. This is where it gets tough. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God. Though he was God, 
Listen, some of you, you're not God. You think you're God. You've got this God complex in your marriage. You don't have it with anybody else except for your spouse. You think you know everything and you think you know everything the right way. You do no wrong and you've developed this God complex. Well, listen to me, my deity. Listen close, okay? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. If you want to love your spouse to death, die to yourself first and the rest will come. If you want to love your spouse to death, learn to die to yourself first. Because the big eye is standing in the way of true love and what it looks like in your home. When your goal becomes their needs first, you will reap the harvest of the seed that you plant. I can't move past this. Some of you right now, you're sowing seeds in tears. You're trying, but it's not being reciprocated. You're putting forth the effort, the best that you know how. And they don't act like they care and they don't act like they love you. Don't stop. Because when I didn't look like I cared, I didn't act like I loved my wife. She kept loving me. Even when I didn't love her back. Psalm 126 and 5 promises us this, that those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. You might be sowing in tears right now and it might look hopeless, but don't stop. Because your harvest, your marriage is coming back. And you will reap with shouts of joy in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. This is what Christ did for us. He sowed in tears, holding out hope for a resurrection morning. He was willing to sacrifice his desires, his dreams, and his wishes for us, for me, for you. And through that, we became his desire. We became his dream. And his wish is to spend eternity with us. And Paul said, that mindset, let this mindset also be in you. Christ, who was God. 
was willing to sacrifice all of that just because he loved the bride that much. So, Pastor, how, how do I die to myself for my spouse? How do I do this? What, what are you talking about? How do I die to myself? I'll tell you how you do it. On Friday night when he hooks the boat up, gets everything ready to go fishing, you wake up Saturday morning, you lather up with some sunscreen, you go get on that boat with him because you're dying to yourself. Oh, you would rather be shopping. Instead of going out after work with the guys to watch the big game on TV, she's at home cooking, waiting. Don't go out with those guys. Let me tell you something about those guys. When you're old and gray and somebody's got to wipe your butt for you, they're not going to do it. Sometimes you just got to get real, right? When he puts the Jeep top back and takes the doors off, you put your curly hair back in, back in a ponytail. And you ride from here to St. Augustine if you have to. And when she says, hey, my mom and grandfather have a greeter team meeting after second service today. Can we take my dad out to lunch? <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, we can. And you die to self. And you put them first. The only way that you will ever see the love of God exemplified in your marriage is when you learn to die to self and put her or put him first. It's the example that he gave us. It's the model that he gave us. And so many homes are missing out on the opportunity that they have to truly love one another. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.